0: Welcome to this the PC2Podcast series. I'm Renee Gravitsky from the Centre for Researching Education and Labour, based at the University of Witwatersrand. What are the skills needs for the public service sector in view of its mandate to deliver public value for citizens? How do we understand the notion of a performing state? How can the public service sector plan more effectively around its skills needs? These are some of the questions that we will reflect on in this PCTA podcast series, which is aimed at provoking reflection and action on the challenges that confront the public service sector and the role played by the PCTA in supporting the development of a capable state. Today with me, I have Temba Shabalala, a researcher from the Real Centre, to discuss research that he has conducted around skills planning and development for capable and development public service sector. Thank you for joining us, Temba.
1: Thank you so much, happy to be here.
0: Temba, could you share with us what was the overall objective of this research?
1: Now, this is one of five research streams within a larger research chair, but the particular purpose of this research project was to assist the PCTA with a more nuanced and strategic understanding about how skills demand and provision planning currently happens in the public service sector and the relationship between the two with the view to strengthening the processes within the sector. The project also aims to deepen the analysis of the key drivers of change within the public service sector and their implications for skills. The project will also seek to provide insights into the difference between current and emerging demand and medium to long-term demand and how these needs are being addressed currently in the public service. As a result of this, the project will then present findings on the coordination of supply and demand, the challenges and opportunities for improving mechanisms for skills supply and demand, and what the implications are for different stakeholders within the post-school system. The second major contribution of this project will be to understand what are the key skills change drivers within the public service sector, including but not limited to implications for building a capable state, the underlying key forces shaping the future of the public service sector, and how these could possibly affect public sector organizations. Even though this project is primarily a conceptual undertaking using academic literature, policy documents, it also has a very strong empirical component with sources of data, inclusive of interviews, surveys and or focus groups.
0: Thanks, Temba. So in reviewing skills demand and provision planning processes in the public service sector, what were some of the key insights that emerged in that process?
1: I think it's important that we start with a bit of background, and then I'll end with some of the key insights. So, an effective public service sector is defined as a necessary condition for addressing the historic challenges and the current challenges, poverty, inequality, and unemployment. And we find this key role being explained in the NDP, the National Development Plan, and also the medium-term strategic framework of 2019 to 2024. It basically prioritizes a capable ethical and developmental state as the foundation for achieving developmental goals. But in the research, we discovered a few challenges within the public service sector skills system, which complicate the PCTA process of building a capable public service sector workforce. So the skills planning system operates in three areas, demand, supply, and attempted coordination between supply and demand. And the word attempted is very important. So the demand tools are intended to provide data on workplace needs that are translated into sector skills plans, which are then supposed to guide supply. However, the system does not work effectively. Firstly, because demand data is unreliable, and we make the case in one of our reports as to why demand data is unreliable. And there's also a lag between identifying skills and the provision of those skills, and that lag is made worse by how funding and qualification systems work. And there's also a disjuncture between time horizons of demand analysis and supply planning. so. The biggest problem, which now brings us to some of the key challenges and the key findings in our research, is that there are three different systems and a plethora of legislation which frame public service sector, skill supply, and demand processes. So firstly, the Minister of Public Service and Administration defines the terms and conditions of employment, the competencies and the mandatory training and development for all officials that are employed under the Public Service Act. In conjunction to that, the Department of Planning, Monitoring, and Evaluation, the DPME, is responsible for national planning, performance, and evaluation. In conjunction to that, the Department of Higher Education and Training is responsible for post-school education and training, which includes higher education institutions, colleges, CETAs, and other related processes. Now, all of these systems are complex, they're difficult to change, and they are dynamic, and they operate within very solid boundaries, what we refer to as silos in our report. There are many other stakeholders. For example, the Council on Higher Education, the South African Qualifications Authority, the Quality Council on Trades and Occupation, and Cetas. And none of these departments or stakeholders operate as a node of coordination or alignment. Human, financial, and infrastructural resources are unevenly distributed across and within national and provincial departments. Now, these patterns of distribution also echo apartheid structuring within race, space, class, and infrastructure. So in a nutshell, these processes have led to a development of internal compliance units which manage and track planning and reporting. And departments are supposed to report on skills to three different structures simultaneously, the DPSA, the DPME, and also the PCTA. And provision is similarly uncoordinated and spread across a range of different public and private institutions. So in a nutshell, we identified three key challenges within skills supply and demand in the public service. The multiplication of planning, the proliferation of training, and what we call isomorphic mimicry. In terms of the multiplication of planning, despite attempts to ensure aligned and integrated demand supply routines in the public service, in terms of integrated planning, these processes seem to take place via three planning and reporting systems. The tab has tried to prioritize consolidating planning templates and reporting dates with the DPSA, to try and limit to this duplication and to improve data analysis. But horizontal coordination is very difficult to achieve, especially because of decades of institutionalized silo bureaucracy, where a specific department operates by itself and reports for itself. Now, in this multiplicity, none of these departments of stakeholders operate as a node of coordination or alignment. Skills planning provision is complex. There's a lack of clarity of boundaries and roles and responsibilities, and there are many stakeholders that are governed by a web of regulations and commitments. Let's look at the proliferation of training. Public service training is spread across a range of providers without a system or policy for setting norms and standards to ensure quality. Most providers offer standard programs with indirect links to career paths and little effective focus on the formation of the norms and values that can create a common ethos and a sense of purpose within the public service. Curriculum quality is different across different providers, methodologies, assessments, strategies, and materials. These are all different. And training is often of a doubtful relevance due to a lack of data about how the delivery systems work and what are the skills that are required to shift these established patterns. Programs are designed out of context, and this creates a challenge in integrating learning back into the public service sector workplace. Training is only part of the challenge of building a public administration that can get the work done. There are also issues of political will, employment criteria, discipline, and culture that need to be addressed at the same time. So public service supply is reactive partly because there are limited joint conversations about what a future supply line should be, but also because skill supply seems to be focused mostly on transmission and implementation instead of transforming workplace behavior. The final one, what we call isomorphic mimicry, which basically means that something is mimicked and with only isolated aspects of that thing being represented in that mimicry. Now, what do we mean? It seems that the state tends to mimic global rationalities for organizing systems, operations, and human resources for delivery without considering the importance of local contexts, skills, and conditions. In addition, these strategies tend to lag behind the global trend that is being mimicked, and they are layered onto existing rules and routines without due consideration for local environments. And the language is adopted without the intended skills or practices. And departments and public servants struggle to meet these commitments.
0: Thanks, timber That was quite... Um Reflects the complexity and the fact that the system is not dynamic and isn't really responsive to immediate needs. So, based on these insights, what then needs to change to the way in which provision planning currently happens? If you can briefly just uh, run through that with us.
1: So, the multiplication and planning, they lead us to recommend that instead of having more rules, more tools, which can further disperse an already burdened skills base. We think that the public service should consider narrowing down these complex systems so that they're easier to monitor and evaluate, and so that effort can be concentrated to tighter and more focused engagement and representation of the most directly involved stakeholders and role players. So in this sense, um, the stakeholders involved are not just a multiplicity of national associations that are removed from the local context, but It's people that have a direct stake in the specific processes that are being discussed. So in this sense, the key players or the local players will determine how best to drive skills development in key departments and consider some of the enabling and constraining factors. We think that what's needed is a rethinking of planning, not only to include skills, but also to include institutions, cultures and context, and issues of organizational agency and motivation. The current skills are wish lists that match an ideal type of public service without bearing on what is actually happening on the workspaces and on the ground. There's a number of so-called soft skills that can be prioritized, and these are not identified as gaps. So for example, given the levels of corruption, ethics is a skills gap. But it's not routinely identified as a gap in skills audits. Nor is problem solving, change management, dealing with people, understanding inequality, or social justice. So we argue that some deep thinking is required to identify the critical skills that will allow the public service to focus outwards towards citizens, to work across the silos and the spheres, and to collaborate and to focus on improving services. We argue that the systems will need to change to minimize patronage, individual ambition, and just the ticking of boxes if the public service is to be capable, developmental, and ethical. And we think that more consistent engagement on the requirements of a South African developmental state is required across different stakeholder groups. And we think that this will lead to better conceptual and practical understanding of knowledge and skills for a capable state.
0: So basically what you're saying is the first thing is having the right people in the room together and secondly to have a conversation which is really grounded in reality and not some wish list of skills lists which aren't based in accurate data or current data should we say. Mm. So moving on from that, what then do you see the role that the peace could play in working with the way such processes could happen in the future?
1: I think it's important for us to acknowledge that it's going to be difficult to influence the developmental state trajectory because there are many factors that are outside the control of the state, but there are also many factors that are outside the control of the peace eater. But we suggest that the peace eater can guide and enable the development of the mindsets, work organization, and skills that build capability. So for example, the PCETA could use its regulatory role to align and improve data collection and sharing, to facilitate discussions across silos about strategic skills needs in relation to contextual and historical challenges, and engage government providers, higher education institutions, TVED colleges, in conversations about supply and its challenges. Secondly, the PCETA can use its position to operate as a knowledge hub, how, by connecting various stakeholders. So the PCETA has prioritized consolidating planning templates and reporting dates with the DPSA to limit duplication and to improve data analysis. But in this instance, horizontal coordination is difficult to achieve because of all the silo bureaucracy that I mentioned before. But a knowledge hub that departments and providers can access might build pathways that can enable the analysis of needs and the shaping of provision across silos. And then finally, we suggest that the PCTA can shape future supply by facilitating a discussion and engagement that develops a more nuanced understanding about what actually happens within public service organizations and about what a socially inclusive, poverty reducing service delivery is. For example, a series of discussions with the DPSA, the DPME, and providers about lessons and implications for skills anticipation and provision, or a scenario where there's a planning exercise about the future skills for the 2030 capable developmental state, or an exploration of what learning strategies are most likely to be effective within learning in the workspace. Great.
0: Thanks. So Timber, based on the research that you've done and based on what has emerged around some of the building blocks for building a capable ethical and development state, what then are some of the conditions to achieve that?
1: The research is still ongoing, but based on what we've done so far, we suggest that we need tighter coordination of goals. And not just the coordination of goals, but also of the mechanisms and also of the ways of seeing that will help departments to move beyond the departmental silos and the departmental bureaucracies. We argue that there is an internal cycle of performativity. And this internal cycle of performativity focuses on ticking off goals and accounting upwards within departments instead of focusing on service that will go outwards towards citizens. And we argue that this has created a compliance culture that we see in the reams of reporting templates where departments spend large chunks of time trying to complete forms to prove that they've done what they said they would do instead of focusing on improving service delivery and access to the poor. So this tighter form of coordination, we argue, has to be political or it has to take into consideration the political. So this means that departments have to want to work across boundaries in unsafe political territory with people that may not be part of their party, so to speak. And this will, we argue, be effective if the intention is to change practices that will then lead to the developmental state.
0: Well, Timber, thank you so much for sharing the findings of the research that you and your team have conducted on behalf of the Peace Eater. It's really been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing.